Hello and welcome to Check Your Six. This is the weekly segment of the Summoning Hour where we focus on the Collegiate Rainbow Six League. Starting things off, we want to look at the top performers of the league and right now we have 11 undefeated teams. From the Eagle group, we have Norwick, Ontario IT, and Ohio State. From the Falcon group, we have Iowa State, Angelo State, and Texas A&M. From the Lion Group, we have Arizona State, UC Davis, and Grand Canyon University. From the last group, the Viper Group, there are only two undefeated teams, Central Florida and Kennesaw State. Now, this doesn't have a tremendous impact in things. We are through week three, we're going to week four. There's nine weeks of competition total, so anything can still happen all of the groups are very tight and maybe a team that's not doing so well now something clicks and they can learn their way around the meta and introduce themselves to the rest of the competition especially with Cade and Nomad becoming available next week in week five we should be seeing a shakeup in the meta now if you're unfamiliar with the structure for collegiate r6 there are four divisions Eagle, Falcon, Lion, Viper, and each one of those has three groups. Each group has eight teams. By the end of the nine weeks, the top five teams of each group will qualify for the playoffs. Now that means that's 15 teams for each of the divisions, 60 teams overall, and I believe there's some spots for the uh, wildcard teams. So. With that in mind, when we start looking at the top five teams from each division, we're talking like these are the top performers so far. Not necessarily the top 15 teams, but or the 15 teams that were qualifying for playoffs if we were to cut off right now. But these are just to kind of highlight the names outside of just the undefeated teams. So in Eagle Division, we have Norwick, Ontario IT, Ohio State, and Fourth place is Penn State, and fifth place is West Virginia. Falcon Division has Iowa State, Angelo State, Texas A&M, University of Houston, and Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Lion Division is Arizona State, University of California, Davis, Grand Canyon University, Cal Poly Pomona, and University of California, San Diego. Last but not least, Viper Division has Central Florida, Kennesaw State, Auburn, Tennessee, and Alabama, rounding out the top five. Now, I wanted to look at a little bit more in-depth statistics for each of these teams, so I got my hands on some wonderful data, and I was starting to look at the top 20 teams. That's so that's the top five from each of the divisions. And I wanted to look at the next stat that really matters in terms of placement. So winning a game is worth three points. A tie is worth one point. Losing is worth zero points. In the, in the case of a tie, a tie situation in points, it comes down to round differentials. Now, I wanted to take that stat and see where all of these teams stacked up. This has Central Florida being at number one with the highest round differential, meaning they win more rounds than they give up. Their score of 37 tops the charts, and if we continue down to the top 11, 11th place is tied with 10th, 
uh, and that is all of the undefeated teams. Now, 10th and 11th place, respectively, are a round differential of 19. So just about half of what Central Florida is operating at, which when you start thinking about how many rounds these teams are playing and that if the other undefeated teams are half as effective as they are, even though they still keep winning, that you're already starting to see a significant change in playability and where the teams are at in terms of their cohesion and their adaptation of playing the meta or playing certain maps, depending on how their matches have gone. But here's the real interesting nugget. I said Central Florida. They are in the Viper group. Now, that is the only group that only has two undefeated teams at this point. So what we could be seeing is just that the Viper group may not be as strong of a division, which, hey, maybe I'm calling them out, but that's what the data is looking at. Because the other thing is, the other Viper group in the top 11 is Kennesaw State, and their round differential is 19, which was 11th place or tied for 10th. So now we're seeing Viper encompassing both the top end and the bottom end of the top 10. And when you start thinking about where the rest of Viper division is, they have to be that much farther behind. So in my mind, this is starting to shape up a bit of a Viper division has a couple of good teams in there, but they're three, four, five spots in their top five and even their top 15 are going to be weaker than, let's say, the top 15 of, let's say, the Eagle division. I don't know. Let's dive into that and let's see what else is going on. In second place, we have Norwick. They're an Eagle Division team with the round differential of 33. So they're right there on the heels of Central Florida. Number three, we have Iowa State, Falcon Division with 31. Ontario IT in fourth of Eagle Division, 30 points round differential. Angelo State in fifth, Falcon Division, 28. Texas A&M. Falcon Division, 27. Ohio State, Eagle Division, 27. Arizona State, UC Davis, Grand Canyon, All-Lion Division, and 26, 21, 19, respectively, in round differentials. So what we see, and I pointed this out with Viper Division, they are the top and the bottom. Eagle and Falcon are right there in the upper mid section, toggling back and forth, and Lion is actually consistently in the bottom of the top 10. Taking that as you will, maybe we're starting to see a breakdown of how these divisions are actually stacking up against each other. Now, I mentioned that the average round differential for the top 11 was 27. The average round differential for 12th through 20th is only 17. So that is that degradation of performance that I called out earlier. And it's it's only going to get worse as you start looking at the top 10 teams from each division, not just the top five. That's all I really want to get into with some fun stats and some standings updates since this is the first time really talking about that. So we'll see how week four goes and we can start talking some more stats, maybe call out some players going into next week. But for week four, I wanted to call out some matchups that I thought were going to be quite interesting. Now, I know one of them has already happened. I don't know the result, so I don't want to spoil it until I get a, go chan get a chance to go back and watch it. 
But first, my call out for a match to follow. This is rank number one from the Lion Group, number three, Grand Canyon University, versus the Falcon Group, number three, Texas A&M. Both of these teams are ranked number one in their groups. So this is one of the two games that each team has where they play out of their division, out of their groups. So this is an opportunity to start sizing up other divisions and groups to figure out how things are going. But here's the deal. Texas AMU, they have a huge round differential lead and their players have a crazy high fragging power. So it'll be up to them to study GCU's macro strategies and not be overwhelmed by them. Because GCU doesn't have that high caliber solo player who's just going to carry everyone, but if you look at their stats of KDA, KDR, you will see that they are very consistent. They are very much on the similar playing field, all five of them, which means that they're all very dangerous. And if they can keep their strategies and their tactics together and not be overwhelmed by that high fragging power, they'll be able to put a decent dent into Texas AMU's ability to attack or defend. Next up on the list, we have four matches. These are all rank number ones versus rank number twos, all in the same groups. So in line group number one, UC Davis versus Cal Poly Pomona. In the Viper group number two, we have Central Florida versus Tennessee. In Viper group number three, we have Auburn versus Alabama. And in line group number two, we have Arizona State and British Columbia. Now, rank one, rank two, we're in week four. Everyone's still finding their footing, finding out where their teammates really measure and where they're going to find their comfort zone. But at this point, we're starting to see some segregation in terms of top one, two, and three from four, five, six, and seven, and eighth place in the group. So this might be a key moment in each of these groups, line groups one and two, and Viper groups two and three. So these are some matches that obviously have some talented players behind them. These teams have been performing very well up to this point, and there may not be that much of a difference between rank one and rank two. So these should be some really quality matches to watch and study if any of them are streamed. Now, here's a couple of other matches. These are ranks two and three against each other. This is from Falcon Group 1, Houston versus Illinois State. And in Falcon Group 3, Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville versus Oklahoma State. I do have one special mention matchup that I want to call out. This is from Viper Group 3, Rutgers versus UNC Charlotte, so University of North Carolina Charlotte. This is where things get a little interesting with the group drama. So a loss for Rutgers would create a very close race in the top five of that group. Now this is out of eight teams, so a close race in top five means the teams that lose out in that sixth, seventh, and eighth spot are going to are going to potentially be determined based off of round differential if we can keep everything so close. So that could be a really exciting group to watch just from that standpoint. This next matchup is probably my favorite of the matches coming up this week 
because I'm going to call it group drama. This is part of a four-way tie in Falcon Group 2 between Colorado Boulder is playing 8th place Missouri and Michigan State is playing out of its group against Washington State. But then we have two teams who are tied, Colorado Mines and Missouri State. Now, obviously, one team has to win from this one and one team has to lose. But when you start thinking about if one team of their four-way tie loses to an out-of-division team, and they still have five other games in their division, how is that going to play out? Or when you think about Boulder playing eighth place, it should be a shoe-in win. But if they lose to that, I can only imagine the impact that has three more games down the road where we're looking at everyone has to make their moves or where top five is suddenly almost out of reach unless you have another miracle. So every one of these games really do matter and you just don't know how it's going to go. At this point, I'm still getting used to these teams and getting to know them, so I don't have a whole lot of insight to say who I think is going to win and who is going to be an upset. So we'll just have to come back next week and we'll talk over the matches that I called out and if there was any other special ones that were streamed or that we found out about over the weekend. Now that the CR6 stats and standings update is done, I have a treat for everyone. This is going to be the interview with Texas AMU's R6 squad. Check it out. But one last thing before we go into that interview, be sure to check out the Collegiate Esports Network's newsletter that you can sign up for on their website at cesn.gg it'll give you the week's news on all sorts of collegiate esports stuff going on so go there sign up for the newsletter and make sure that you let them know that warlocker calls podcast pointed you in that direction so thanks much and here's the interview Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of The Summoning Hour. Check your six. This is with Texas AMU, our six squad. So I'll let you guys go through and do a brief introduction about who you are and your role within the R6 squad, and then we'll just kind of shoot the shit. After a short interview, we'll jump into some squad action. Yeah, so I, I guess if you want me to start things off, uh, hello, my name is E-Central. I go by, uh, well, E-Central online, but my name is Christian uh, in person. Uh, so basically, for Season 1 of the Collegiate R6 League, I was playing Hard Breach for my team, for uh, the Division 1 team. So basically, the, the quick rundown is that there's a Division 1 team and there's a Division 2 team. And so myself and Sendit, another partner that I have here, were on Division 1. And then Critical Falcon and uh, Conman were on Division 2. So that's basically the, the brief summary. Yeah, so um, you know, I'm my name's Jake. Um, I go by Send It or now Full Send uh, in game. But uh, so I just joined the team last last season, and uh, I I well, I started off the season as a entry fragger, but I've kind of moved over into the the support role because I've I've kind of found it as my natural niche as a support player. Um, I think I think that's about it. 
Okay, so uh, I'm Chris, uh, but everyone calls me Falcon as my my last name. Um, so uh, I'm actually I've been the captain of the Division Two team for the two seasons in a row now, and um, my role is kind of more of a support player. So we have a, a lot of good entry fraggers, and we have a lot of good fraggers on our team. So I kind of um, you know give them the um, the upper hand and and they're, what they're specialized in. And uh, kind of help out everywhere else I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty fun two seasons. And Connor um, is also on uh, my team. He helps me uh, run things. Uh, so I guess this is where I introduce myself, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm Kamen, uh, Kamen15. In game, and you can just call me Con or Dad. Uh, pretty dominant. It's awesome. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I focus on basically whatever the team needs. I can entry frag. I can support. I can bring hard breach. I can bring soft breach. I really specialize in getting on site and taking out the enemy, though. I don't even run ACOG on attack. I just run uh, holographic site and kind of just get in the faces of the enemy um, and make them panic. So I just do what I do best, which is cause chaos. Uh, throughout the site and then on defense i'm primarily a roamer but um if they need a an anchor uh, i've got no problem sitting back and taking people out from behind like a mirror or something or lasering people with maestro's turrets so whatever you need i'm there nice that sounded like everyone i want to double check make sure i didn't miss anyone was that everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I know Texas AMU had a great season last season, but why don't you tell us a little bit about how the first season went and how you found that success? Do you, do you want to take this, Christian, or do you want me to? Um, so, okay, so yeah, I can take the, the initial stage because, so funny enough, whenever we first started with the team, we actually had an entirely different roster, and the only two players that remained from the original lineup that we had was myself as well as uh, uh, Chief, which is another player on our team. And so we were initially tried out for the team, and we both made it. However, given a few unfortunate circumstances, we had a few players drop out, which is where we had to pick up somebody like, uh, like Send It, like Jake, uh, and then also our current captain right now, Jinro or John, and then Alex and Nyrock. So. Um, it was a very interesting circumstance, and to be honest with you, we didn't really expect to get very far. The only reason that I particularly joined this uh, this org and playing with these uh, my teammates was literally just to find some friends uh, so I could play Siege and you know meet them in person and just uh, basically attend events with them. Yeah, um, last season was kind of a surprise to all of us as well. You know, I, I joined I joined um, probably about a quarter way through the season. You know, they had already had two losses because the, the roster was was interchanging but you know once we got everyone kind of set in stone you know we did surprisingly well for a team that had literally just come together and just started playing together and we we synergized really well and what really impressed me is the fact that we were able to make it to the quarterfinals like we did you know we started off as the um as the the bottom seed in the entire in the entire league and we made it to the quarterfinals and um you know that I think that impressed a lot of people, and we were really happy with where we made, or uh, we're with where we ended. And you know we weren't disappointed whatsoever. Uh, but this season, you know we've we've refined, you know a lot of different things, and we've kind of figured out each other's play styles, and um, 
you know, we've we've kind of got everything more set in stone. So now we are trying to we're trying to we're trying to go for gold. But I, I think uh, as long as we make it to the finals, we'll be happy. Now, with such a short time between the first season and the second season and the roster switches, how was it? How was that downtime? important for you all to practice and what was your focus during that time just to make sure that you could kind of live up to that season one performance um I, I we used that time to really i mean when winter break happened you know we all kind of split different ways everyone kind of went home but you know after finals ended and before everyone split and then when everyone came back we used a lot of that time to really focus on our own personal play styles um you know, what we could have done differently from season one. Um, we kind of analyzed our gameplay from season one and we were like, okay, you know what? Let's change things up a little bit. You know, you know you're know, you gonna you're gonna play support now instead of flex roll. You know, you're gonna play flex instead of um, anchor or you're gonna play entry fragger, you know, so and so forth. And we've kind of shaken things up a little bit and honest, honestly, it's, it's worked out great so far. Um, and I, I, I really, I'm really happy with what we have um, so far. We, we have refined a lot of our different strats. Obviously, I won't go into them, but, um, <laughs> but uh, we, John, our captain, has worked incredibly hard um, on our different strategies, and we've, we've all worked together to, do, to refine them. And you know, we've all kind of gone. You know, it's, it's hard to explain, but. Um, we've all really been focusing on the characters that we're going to play during those strats. Yeah, and then so. I guess for me to add on to that a little bit, I just wanted to bring up specifically Falcon and uh, and Conman's role. So one thing, one of the great things about our particular team uh, was that we maintained, I believe it was four-fifths of the roster, but essentially I took a step back to be a sub in order to just focus on my casting a little bit more uh, for the league. Um, but Conman and Falcon, on the other hand, they were able to just simply take what they had from last season and build on top of that. So I, I want to give them an opportunity to speak on their team particularly here. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So um, with our team, you know how last season was everyone's uh, first season for both uh, D1 and D2 teams, um, just for A&M in general. So um, the way we figured out how to get team situated the first season was kind of a little rough. So we... We ended up having to find like the last remaining people who were trying to like be on the team, like two days before registration ended. Picking up for, the scraps, <laughs> basically, yeah, picking up the scraps um, and make a team, uh, like two days, one or two days before registration ended for Collegiate R6, and we basically just had to work with what we had. Um, Connor actually joined us maybe like a fourth or third way through the season. Um, yeah, I didn't start out, and it was pretty, it was pretty rough. Um, um, so like you know we just had to work with what we had and um, we didn't I mean we did all right I mean we won a, a few games and we won a lot from people the other team having to um, to forfeit due to uh, timing and things like that those um, were the only matches we won and so it, it was a it was a pretty rough season for us um, but now like over Christmas break um, I had Connor help me out with recruiting um, I knew for sure I wanted him to stick with us because Connor's a really strong uh, player for me. And um, so he helped me with the recruiting process. And we literally had tryouts all the way through Christmas break. And we finalized as as best of a team as we could with the time that we had. 
and we just built off of that and so now we've got a lot of good you know fraggers we got a lot of good support roles and uh, that just helps us and you know now we're already 2-0 and into the season and last night's game was pretty pretty intense uh, it was epic to say the least <laughs> and so um we've we've come a long way from from our first season and and just seems to we we keep building on top of it every every week and hopefully we can you know go for the gold in our division you had to describe your division one division two teams play styles like would you say you're overly aggressive are you tacticians are you mastermind uh, drafters kind of thing or are you just really into the meta how would you describe the two different teams in my in my opinion i i think we're more of the on the tactician side um i you know none of us are really crazy run and gun go kill everyone type of players uh we we try and take things at a different angle and we try and think outside the box uh, with our different strategies and, and, and how we play um i guess for us um we're we can be kind of both i mean we have the the occasional times where we'll we'll do runouts or we'll do you know crazy rushes where we're just super aggressive um i mean you know that could either be in favor of us or that can you know really hurt us but then we also are very kind of tactical too um the way some of our strats work are kind of complex where they kind of take all of the prep time and we have to you know picture perfect every single little thing to get it done um and sometimes it goes a little over prep phase time um but just like we've been kind of expanding our, our strats and um basically it's just you know we can be either kind of if we want it to be that makes sense and it's good to have that flexibility just so that you can never really be countered uh, as opposed to like if you're really a one-trick strategy kind of team like people come to expect something and then you're you end up losing a few rounds just because they've countered your strategy as a whole and then the other things that you may not be as strongly coordinated with end up just getting picked off what's been some of the I don't want to say frustrations with the current meta, but like, what what are some of your least favorite things to like that's just happening in the meta? Not so much that you're not good at dealing with them. It's just like it's a frustration with the current meta. Like my frustration with the meta, you're saying? Yeah. I mean, lions annoying as heck. But then again, like we don't have to play against like um, anything that like lion or. Uh have to deal with things like uh, Nomad or Kaid before like we have time to adjust. So like, I, I mean, there's not really much of the meta that I find frustrating. I actually kind of enjoy like just sticking to it, just uh, being able to stick with, you know, denial, um, good setup and having control of certain areas of the map to just to deny them from accessing certain places is like, uh, you know, it, it just, it's, it gives you an advantage that other people don't. Um, like, like when you, uh, we just were discussing this last night as a team, that regular ranked like after a match like last night feels so stale and so boring um just because um with this whole pick and ban thing you know you get the opportunity to um choose which ops uh are banned which can entirely affect how certain play people are going to be playing um and it allow you to actually like put in a strategy so not only is it just running gun which i'm pretty sure any of our teammates can do at this point i, I feel like i i I drafted a really good team this season 
Uh, Malgus guns out. JJ guns out randomly, even though I didn't think he was capable of it. He kills it. Uh, Falcon guns out when he needs to. Uh, Nolan kills it, and then I'll pop off when I need to. But uh, the strats that Nolan has been bringing to the table for us have been transformative, and I actually love sticking with the meta. I, I don't think I'm, re I'm really frustrated at all. Um, and I, I'm kind of mad, mad with the new updates that are coming to the game a little bit here and there. Um, I like the way the game is. Um, I think it's, it's they've done a great job with uh, establishing, you know, just a great meta. Yeah, as for Team 1, I you know, I don't think any of us really have a problem with the metas. You know, as long as you know how to deal with them, they're, they're not a huge problem. Personally, I, you know, my frustration with some of the metas is not like, it's not actually the metas itself, but it's the problem with, you know, every, everyone hears it, is, is the problem with, with crouch and, and lean spamming. And um, the the silent Ash, you know, Ash is a player, you know, I, I don't mind when people play Ash, I really don't care. But the fact that like Ash is so quiet, um, you know, I can, I can have my headphones turned up and, and Ash is literally the only character that can run right past me and I won't even know it because I, I, I can't hear her. and uh, that I honestly it just it frustrates me when you know I was we were playing a it was funny we were playing a ranked game last night actually and uh, we were defending on we were defending on Oregon uh, basement and this ash literally just ran right into sight and killed everyone because nobody heard her nobody heard her run straight through construction straight into sight and just mow down our entire team. And it was, it's just incredibly frustrating to me. Okay, so it's not just me. I thought Ash was really quiet. Okay, not just me. That makes me feel a whole lot better. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's funny. She's just one of the most lethal operators in the game, but to have I, that most powerful weapon in the R4C and just run around is just, it's kind of crazy. I'd say that about Maverick more than anybody else. I feel like his, his torch. Um, along with being a three speed uh, and his m4 kind of make him a little bit more lethal the thing that i feel like makes ash ash is the fact that she can die and frag out without having an effect on her team like if you run somebody with utility who needs to do a job and you do and you do that and you die you're hurting your team but when you run ash and you go in you get a couple kills and die like that's your job and, and people who fulfill that role are just great Ash players. And I don't think there's really much of a problem. I think they're like them removing the ACOG is an interesting choice because um, a lot of people do surprisingly run ACOG in the R4C. And I think more than anything, that hurts Ash rushes. I think it's better to get in there with a reflex site, holographic site, and just tear shit up. Uh, I've seen some incredible plays and had some incredible plays myself where I'm just using a holographic site. You rush in there, you just easily take site. Um, it's it's kind of... It's just, it's what Ash does. But, you know, what frustrates me more than anything, I think, is the silence of Maverick's torch, dude. That pisses me off. Like, you don't know the, when the hole's being opened, and next thing you know, you're just standing there like, how did I die? And there's a little hole in the wall. Maybe it's just me or my headphones, but honestly, I, I've never really had a problem doing with Maverick because the sound when he takes his torch out is actually quite loud, and I can hear it. Uh, no matter where I am on site, I can hear when he takes his torch out, and I can actually hear him ripping through a wall. Now, the sound in this game is funny, so like when he's doing it, I don't know which wall he's doing it to, so that's kind of what makes it dangerous. Um, 
So I have to kind of look around and be careful um, about which wall I'm looking at because, you know, he could be at any wall because sound travels, uh, you know, through the, the shortest distance in this game and you never know what that shortest distance is uh, sometimes. And But yeah, I, you know, I I can hear the I can hear the blowtorch being taken out and I can hear the wall being uh, ripped open, but I, I just don't know where it's coming from. Well, like to add on top of the um, that whole Maverick thing, we kind of experienced it heavily last night, where um, it was our our first map. They, uh, we were on um, Oregon, and they kind of uh, pushed up on main stairs, and there was a Monty up on main stairs, and we had no idea that they even were Mavericking the armory wall because just the giant field sound of it just kind of over like it kind of just took over the Maverick sound. So we. We did we got killed we got picked off from the maverick from that little tiny hole because we didn't even know that he was even blowing through it I, I like how we've had this discussion about the audio of operators and utilities and now we're talking strategies about covering up that sound obviously audio is very important in, in r6 but how do you feel about controlling that audio like how is that how does that come into your play style or making sure that you're cognizant of the audio around you like obviously someone blowing a wall open gives an immediately an immediate trigger for the rest of your team or a call out for everyone to know where that's coming from but something as subtle as like maverick pulling out his utility or hearing footsteps just outside of a wall and just understanding what that means how how do you control that audio chaos i suppose what what do you ex what do you mean exactly by control so either when you're on offense or you're trying to pull a move on defense where you want to cover up sound or you're you're attempting to read the sound that the opponents are letting you hear as opposed to like having the Monty clanging around, making a whole bunch of noise to avoid you hearing the, the Maverick. Like, is, is that a part of your gameplay? Is that what you consider? Or is that kind of like that next level kind of, it's just the way people are figuring out how to play? Um, honestly, I, I think it really goes, that kind of delves into the thinking outside the box, um, category, because I was playing with, uh, some randoms the other night, and I was Maverick, and we were, I forgot which site we were attacking, but, you know, he was on a hatch, and there was a guy, uh, trying to shoot him, um, through the hatch, you know, bottom to top, and he's like, hey, he's like, hey, Maverick, take out your torch. I was like, okay, so I took out my torch. And that guy heard it, and so he turned around, and that was a you know, that allowed my teammate to shoot that guy. So, you know, it I, I it really you can really trick teammates, um, or not trick teammates, but trick the enemies into thinking you're doing something, while another person you know does something else, and and that also comes in with like advanced drone deployment. You know, you can kind of fake enemies out by you know throwing a drone, and people can hear that. Um, but you actually don't actually you don't actually go into the camera you know you just kind of throw a drone into a hallway and somebody will kind of come running out thinking that you're in the drone and then you just shoot them um, so i mean sometimes you can you can use audio to your advantage but it, if you're against a team that knows what they're doing sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't it's really it's, it's kind of a coin toss yeah and I, I wanted to add on to this because so essentially I have an interesting scenario where normally for a big garage, like consulate garage is a great example of this, where there's an entire panel of where you, it, essentially it takes two exothermic charges to open up the wall fully. 
but I've seen this played a few times and I've even done it myself to where you open up the, the far rightmost panel, which is, you know, very standard so that way you can run into the site and, uh, you know, plant behind the white van or just have as much cover as you can get. But just an interesting thing that I've personally incorporated into my own gameplay is rather than blowing up the entire wall and trying to set up a crossfire um, and cutting off all the sight lines, I just simply put the exothermic charge down, I will run in, and as I'm about to plant the bomb, I will go ahead and de uh, detonate the charge, so that way there's just this large explosion that's going to happen. So it essentially saves me like about maybe two to three seconds to where you can't really hear me, you know, typing on the little uh, the computer, I suppose, to try and plant the diffuser. So I've definitely incorporated it into my own gameplay, however, it's also something where you kind of have to practice it and understand where you can use it to your benefit. And I guess for me, um, when it comes to listening for that kind of stuff, I mean, it's kind of, a lot of the times it's hard to kind of counter the sounds, especially if they're like, you know, if you're defending and you're, you know, they have a, a Monty kind of masking the sounds of everybody. It's it's kind of hard. So like what I feel is kind of like the best way to do that kind of stuff is kind of have a an anti, like a kind of a, I don't know, like having like Legion Mines out somewhere or having like Echo Drones or Valk Cams, just so like, even if you can't audibly hear them, you can actually vis like visibly see where they are and like what they're doing. Um, so for me, I guess like when it gets to that difficulty of listening for those kind of things, it's kind of a, you know, it's easier to visually see them as opposed to hearing them. All right. Well, since we're talking about gameplay, how about we jump into some R6? Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's going to be very rusty, but... <laughs> All right, Connor did like five T-Hunts. Yeah, I was just constantly playing T-Hunt. I just want to say thank you for listening, and if you found yourself enjoying this podcast, whether it's the latest episode or something older that I recorded way back when, I would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, with your family, co-workers, your nieces, your nephews, your dogs, your cats, whoever. Share this podcast with them. Get them listening in, finding out more about video games and esports. Everyone at this point knows someone who's interested or works with video games or wants to work with video games and esports. So this is one avenue to introduce that to them. And as usual, you can follow me pretty much anywhere on social media just do a search for warlocker call and that covers twitter facebook instagram snapchat periscope twitch mixer and youtube thanks for listening and i will see you all next week